You're good. good. Yeah, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Osmo.com NFL Strategy Show, Showdown Edition. Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Minnesota, taking on the Vikings. Three and a half point dogs on the road. And we've got a lot to talk about because, well, Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook and, well, Ben Roethlisberger just not being all that good. But it's going to make for a fun game, an interesting one, with two pretty concentrated offenses on both sides. So, I'm Dave Lockren at Lafay underscore D on Twitter. Hit me up. And if you're on the podcast, you can do that at Lafay underscore L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. And of course, joining me as he does every Monday and Thursday, Matt Kajeski at Matt underscore Kajeski, G-A-J-E-W-S-K-I. What's going on, brother? Not much. I'm really excited to talk about the two teams that couldn't beat the Lions. So we have a great <laughs> Thursday night showdown ahead of us. I didn't think about that. Yeah, well, you're technically, right. Technically, Minnesota beat them once, but then they lost, and then Pittsburgh tied them. So, I mean, it's... And Minnesota should have lost that first game, too. Yeah. I, Detroit's played in a shockingly amount of close games for a team that only has one victory. They've been in a lot of single-digit games. They have. I, I said... I, we were talking about this yesterday on the uh, on the strategy show with, with Eric and, and the two of us, that it feels like every game Minnesota plays is decided by one score. Last game was decided by two points. Uh, eight points against San Francisco, still one score. Three points against Green Bay. One touchdown against the Chargers. Three points against Baltimore. Four, six, two, seven. They beat up on the Seattle Seahawks pretty good. But one point against Arizona. Three points against Cincinnati. So if we can say one thing with a certain amount of confidence is this game probably stays close. Yeah, I think so too. As usual, at this time of year, there's just injuries everywhere. So I think just like on Monday, that's going to be a very big key going into this game. No weather concerns. Like the last showdown game we talked about, my goodness. I, I think by the time the kickoff started, a lot of the things we talked about were just like we had to completely throw out the Mac Jones stuff we talked about just because the weather was absolutely unbelievable. So hopefully there's a little more clarity tonight than there was on Monday. No doubt. I ended up changing everything I was doing. And, and you mentioned to me the other day that like it was using projections on a slate like that was, was almost a, a lost cause because you have to like, okay. So it was early in the day and you and I are talking about it. Like, okay, 20 mile per hour wins, not great. And, and we both said it might be a good time to target the run game. One of these teams likes to run the ball a ton anyway, but then it got closer to kickoff. And you see Tyler Bass out there, right? And you see these guys kicking. Um, you see Nick Falk. And they're kicking 35 yarders that are going like this. And then they're kicking 60 yarders that are just going. They could have been 80. So it, it was a, apparently there were 90 mile per hour gusts in that game. Yeah, that's crazy. Obviously going to affect the pass game, the kicking game. I believe New England just like completely forewent the kicking game. You saw a lot of them going for you know, fourth downs, short yardage instead of punting, kicking field goals. It just didn't make a lot of sense to put your kickers in that position. And whole, like these showdowns, it's why I like them so much. There's always these crazy little wrinkles. We're on a main slate. You can probably ignore them. But on a showdown slate, they influence so much of the gameplay, which is what I think really makes the game unique, contrarian if you're playing tournaments. And overall, just a lot of fun. It really, it, I don't know if it 
if we didn't have DFS, if I would really be interested in Pittsburgh, Minnesota on a Thursday night? Probably not. I would have been interested in Patriots Buffalo just because I love bad weather games. I like shit shows, you know. Oh, you you must love LaShawn McCoy snow games. Dude, the the LaShawn McCoy snow game for the Eagles against Detroit, that was a freak snowstorm. I, I had buddies, my dad too, got caught on I-95. Just snow was coming. Like it they dumped like a foot in an hour. I mean, that might be a hyperbole, but like it was. Matt, it was no one expected it to even snow that day. So yeah, that was that's one of like the historical games in Philly history for sure. I remember watching that game on TV. It was hard to see what was going on at times. Yeah, it, it was hard to know where the ball was and what the players were doing. It felt like whiteout conditions at one point. It wasn't, but yeah, that that was a fun game. And yes, I love give me a snow game with like a foot of snow on the ground. I love that stuff. So maybe we'll get one before we close out the year. Maybe Lambo will give us something good or guy. Uh, what is it? Arrowhead Stadium. But anyway, let's dive into this. Happy, as always, to have you guys with us. Everybody in chat already. Everyone watching us live from the East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. I don't care if you're in Canada or the UK, maybe even Germany. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. And subscribe to the channel. Help us get to 70,000. We're almost at 68K. We're cruising here. We're almost at 70K when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. So much appreciated to all of you who always do that in advance before the video even starts and have subscribed to the channel for a while now. But if you haven't, only takes a single second and then we get started here. Oh, and if you want to join, hit that join now down below. It's like $2.99 a month. Again, you want to, wonderful. If you don't, that's okay too. But I love seeing the badges. I love getting people on the team. Awesome. Got a lot of badges in chat already. Custom emojis, shout outs, free super chat every month. And of course, when you guys have questions, I always try and prioritize that as long along with our premium members in Discord. All right, brother, you ready to do this? Yeah, let's dive in. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger this season is PFFs, and take this with, with somewhat of a grain of salt, but I thought you'd find it interesting, is PFFs fifth lowest graded passer. Now, if, if I told you who was behind them, you'd go, yeah, that kind of makes sense, but it's also remarkable. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, and Terod Taylor. So the only guys that have been worse from him in that grade this year, worse than him, I should say, are three rookies, right? One of them is Davis Mills. And then Terod Taylor on Houston, who has no pass catchers or anybody, and he's been hurt a lot. It has not been a good year for Ben Roethlisberger, but at the same time, the guy is completing a lot of passes each week. He just doesn't have a high A dot. And the target share on this team is, is really quite concentrated when you look at guys like Deontay Johnson specifically. Absolutely. And I honestly think that's probably their best way to win games. You don't really want Ben what, Roethlisberger. short passes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't, you, like Ben Roethlisberger simply can't push the ball downfield at this point in his career. And we've seen that. I don't even think just this year, over a larger sample now with Big Ben, the best way for them to win is to try to get the ball into their playmakers hands around the line of scrimmage and then have them create plays after the catch. And obviously it's not great if teams can key in on that. They don't really have to defend the deeper quadrants of the field as much. And it's been a bit of a disaster for big Ben. I think that's why you see them as underdogs to the team that just lost to the Detroit lions. And <laughs> that's a good point. The total super low in this game too and it's interesting because previously we thought of these offenses as fairly explosive. Minnesota in particular, obviously injuries have affected that a little bit. But even Pittsburgh, 
They're a team that has playmakers at almost every position offensively except QB. Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Fryermuth's been a monster. Even Najee Harris has a lot of chops. They use him a ton in the receiving game. It's just Big Ben, I think, is really the limiting factor in driving the total down in this game. We've seen Pittsburgh play some horrendous games this year where they just flat out can't even score, particularly in that division where you've got Baltimore and Cleveland and some other teams that are very run-heavy and defensively sound. It's been really tough for Pittsburgh this year. Do you view it the same way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, even like it's it's crazy to me that I haven't gotten to, and, and this is probably a leak because I haven't gotten to as much Johnson as I probably should have, just because you're you're wondering if the if the Steelers will find the end zone. But he, my God, he's been good, man. Like he's he's the fourth highest targeted player in the league right now and he's already had a buy most teams have had buys but played 11 games he has 120 targets and he's he's seventh among all receivers in fantasy points matt he has a 32 percent target share like deontay johnson is just that dude and he's gonna have some ugly games but one thing you can kind of rely on outside of that one really anomalous game against denver where he had like a, a 50 yard touchdown and only was targeted twice, but he's just day in or week in and week out. Deontay Johnson is getting double digit targets. And, you know, that's one thing you can kind of hang your hat on when you're playing a guy like that. Hey, he's going to get looks. Now he has to do something with them. And I like those type of players quite a bit. I think it's been a leak for me too. I always viewed the Steelers, particularly this year, as having limited touchdown upside with Deontay Johnson, the target floor is so solid that it makes up for that. You can make up a touchdown with him specifically in just PPR volume, the raw catches he gets. Obviously a little more pertinent on DraftKings, but Fandle, the half point PPR, it's also important over there. And he has shown the ability to break off big plays, even if some of the targets come near the line of scrimmage. He's just a very shifty dynamic receiver. And he does provide that safety blanket for Big Ben. I actually like Pittsburgh's offense in in this realm. They do have playmakers that they can use around the line of scrimmage. It's Deontay Johnson, it's Pat Fryermuth, it's Najee Harris. And when you have three guys that kind of operate near and around the line of scrimmage, at least it gives Ben some like safety. They can almost use those players as an extension of the run game rather than slamming Najee into the back of the offensive line multiple times. And I know we usually talk about Odd Chopper a little later in the program, but I want to bring it up now while we're discussing Big Ben. His completion prop is still pretty low. And I think this is entirely narrative based. Big Ben's washed. We haven't seen him produce at a high level for years now. But with all that said, the offense is kind of catered to him completing a lot of little short passes. I'm seeing 22 and a half at BetMGM as the best line on my end for for Odd Shopper. Gives you a 69% win rate, 32% ROI. I know it doesn't sound great, but those are pretty strong percentages for Big Ben. For sure. Uh, over in, in PA, because you can sort by state on Odd Shopper, uh, DraftKings is the best spot. Minus 115, 22 and a half. We got them projected at 24-7. It's funny because when you mentioned that to me today, uh, looking through Odd Shopper, I was like, yeah, you know what? That does seem a little low. And the funny thing, too, is outside of like only a couple games, even when he didn't hit this, he's been at 21, 22, you know, spots like that. And those are games both that they want. When you look at games against a, a semi-competent offense, and I think, look, I know Thielen's out. I, I know Minnesota just got got beat by the, the Lions on the final play of the game with Zimmer just calling terrible defense. 
the Minnesota Vikings can still score. You know, you still have Jefferson. You still have a good run game, a good backfield. I think Roethlisberger isn't going to be able to lean on, on Najee. And like you said, that's the important part. I mean, when it comes to Najee Harris, yes, you just they're just going to keep running him because they have to. But you can't really lean on Najee Harris and expect to win that way at this point, Matt. There, there, we, this is the one thing we, can, we were so concerned with going into the season, right? You and I talked about it on the Fantasy Football Channel frequently. Yeah, he's going to get a ton of work. He's going to be like an every single down back. But how efficient can you be on the ground when you're – he's averaging 3.6 yards per attempt on 217 carries this year. Yeah, and I don't think that's entirely on him. The it's not. Line, it's, yeah. that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It, it's not great. It it's obviously speaks to larger systemic problems to the offense as a whole, and they need to use different ways. The pass game in particular is a great way for them to start trying to move the ball a little bit better. And I, I think they're going to try to continue to pass the ball, use Najee in this way, use Roethlisberger in this way, ultimately because they're still in the hunt for this division. And they could easily pick up a wild card spot. They have six wins, five losses, and a tie. So, like, they're ahead of the Cleveland Browns right now. And it's a division that's very, very close. So, every single game that Pittsburgh plays is important. I don't really see them taking their foot off the gas with Big Ben at any point. This is supposed to be the last hurrah for Big Ben, the year where he hangs it up after this. And I, he probably should have hung it up a while ago, and they should have tried to move on at the quarterback position. But at the same time, this is going to be a competitive game. So I, I think you can look to the over on some of these Pittsburgh props. I personally like the Roethlisberger one. I do think they're going to try to push the ball in the short game. It makes me happy to see so many people using Odd Shopper lately because it's it's free, so I'm not selling you anything. But it's like it's one of those tools that <laughs> – It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I don't, I don't know how long it will be. But it's, no, it's one of those tools that makes your life so much easier if you're betting, you know? Um, like yesterday I had a hockey game and I was doing NBA content. I was doing NFL content and all of that stuff, but I didn't have time to go through every single prop, find the best bet, the best odds where I can find it at, at whatever book has the best uh, line. And you go over there and it just makes life like so simple. It, it probably saves you hours a day. If you use it properly, Matt, from a betting research standpoint, it really does. One thing I like to do that I only started doing last week was using Odd Shopper really early in the week for NFL. And for this sure. is going to work in a couple really clear spots where there's role changes. Like I wouldn't do this for injury situations. Right now, our projections, we have like Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook kind of split. And I don't think it's going to work out that way. But one example that I took on like Monday was KJ Osborne. He was projected for like 30 and a half receiving yards. So it was one of the better odds that day and obviously the the books have shifted wildly so i'm looking right now kj osborne he's at like 44 and a half yards at some point so even on monday morning when you're just on your computer like watching a show or something maybe it's the monday showdown strategy show just check and see all of the games for odd shopper because some of these some of these books are going to put props up early that are really really bad so like i clipped that kj osborne one super early in the week and you can do yourself a lot of favors yeah no doubt uh and like at bet rivers right now he's He's at 45 and a half and DraftKings. He's at 41 and a half. You pull that up, find the odds, find the expected win percentage on that. If you like KJ Osborne, now go take the 41 and a half. Getting those additional four yards is pretty significant. If you like the under 45 and a half is out there as well. Anyway, uh, sticking with this, there was one guy I wanted to talk about too, because I like the over here. It's Pat Fryer move. 
Matt, and, and I, I like him not just not just from a betting standpoint, from a prop standpoint, but I, I like him in general. I, I don't think he's wildly overpriced here. He's 6,600. I think that's totally reasonable, and I'll tell you why. First of all, his prop is three and a half receptions, okay? Not a lot of juice on the over. He is six of his seven last games over three and a half receptions. And his last game, three receptions, didn't get there, but very close. I like the fact that he's his target share is the third highest on the team since week six, which was after Juju Smith-Schuster went down. I like the fact that Ben will still probably have to throw a decent amount. from And, and from a fantasy standpoint, right, from a DFS standpoint, how do you not love the fact, and I know you, you talk about small samples, and you're right, but there's no question that Rat Roethlisberger has favored him in the red zone. Like, I don't think there's any denying that. 31% red zone target share since week six, Matt, when he fire, first started to get opportunities. Ebron's on the IR. Fryermuth has that two-touchdown potential, and I think in showdowns, I'm always willing to roll the dice on that. Well, I think there's small sample sizes, and then there's small sample sizes that have, like, a clear reason. And I think Ebron, going on the injured reserve, just elevated Fryermuth's role. Sure. And even going back last year, Ebron had a great role in the red zone. So this is kind of, I think, a larger sample of Big Ben using the tight end position near the red zone. And I think Ebron, he's kind of like a poor man's version of Fryermuth at this point in his career. Fryermuth's a huge, big-bodied receiving tight end that you can use in the slot from the, the inline alignment as well. He's just a very versatile weapon that they can use in the red zone. So I, I actually don't think that's much of a small sample. I think going back, you can see Big Ben using the tight end a lot. And like you said, since Ebron went out, the target share is just enormous. I'm surprised this is only three and a half. For sure. I am too. I am too. I, that's one I'm, I already hit because I think, like you said, that'll come even throughout the day. I think you might see that come up. It, even if there's just a lot more juice on it, like goes from minus 110 to minus 140 or something, and then you're just not getting, because I don't know if you move it to four and a half. We'll see. But I like that. What, what do you think of, from a DFS standpoint? I, are you, where do you cap, where, where are you leaning captain today? And we can jump around a little bit here, but, but where do you lean for, for your primary captains? Okay. Th this is something I actually really want to talk about because I ran optimals this morning for DraftKings specifically, and it's the first time all year I was getting kickers in DD Westbrook as the optimal captains in a lot of lineups. And really? that's a, it suggests to me that one, it's a really low scoring game. So the overall high level projections for like Jefferson cousins, Roethlisberger, Najee Harris, they're all a little lower than what we see on typical games. And that's because we have a 44 point total, extremely low. And from there, we, we just don't have a lot of salary relief. There's a lot of slates where you might get a 200 price guy who's in a timeshare, but the only guy who's really viable near the minimum is DD Westbrook. Unless you're just, Throw on complete darts. I mean, you can go down and take, like I, I had to go down maybe, I don't know, 12 lineups to find the first Justin Jefferson captain. And that's the first lineup that didn't have Didi or Greg Joseph. So it's a really interesting day to captain these guys because of the low scoring environment. Whoever scores a touchdown really could get it done, which leads me to some of these plays like Friar Muth in a really low scoring game environment. If Fryermuth puts up two touchdowns, he could easily outscore like a Jefferson or the quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was I was shocked how high we had Greg Joseph in the optimal captain probability in our in our in our showdown in our top showdown or top 
plays showdown single game tools. I was surprised by that for sure. I think some of it is going to change. It has to. And I think a lot of it's going to ride with Dalvin and Madison. The Dalvin situation, obviously huge. When these guys have been in and out of the lineups, and it's Dalvin, depending on his injuries, they rarely split carries. It's either Dalvin's in, he gets most of the work, or Madison is in, he gets most of the work, unless it's either a blowout or Cook gets injured in the game. So I think that is just a huge injury piece of news that will shift our tools a little bit, perhaps bringing Greg Joseph down a little bit. But either way, I think there's a lot of positive leverage playing the kickers tonight because of the low-scoring game environment and the really tight pricing. Yeah, it's crazy, but you're right. And I think if you're playing a decent amount of lineups or even if you're just trying to get value, you might have to look at somebody like Ray-Ray McLeod as well. I mean, he's not exciting, but he does have the fourth-highest target share on this team among pass catchers since Juju went out in Week 5. Again, he has one game, too, where he was targeted, what, 12 times against Detroit, so it's a clear outlier. But if you're looking for somebody, you're not getting those, like, $800. You're not getting that guy. You're just not, unless you have somebody that I'm missing that, that is going to get a, a sizable amount of opportunities. It's not there. And, and McLeod played 67% of snaps last game. Again, not exciting, but is he there? Yeah, he's there if you really need somebody. And quite frankly, Matt, he's a lot cheaper than James Washington, and it's not like James Washington has been good at all either. No, he hasn't. And Like, not at all. He's very clearly the fourth, and if you include Najee, I think the fifth most active receiver on this team. And he's, he's not cheap either. He's pretty expensive for the role he's playing. So he didn't pop in any of the optimals. He doesn't pop from a tool standpoint on the back end, anything. He actually has a pretty significant negative leverage score overall, which is I'm talking about our top plays tool for, for showdown, which is one of my favorites to look at. So he's definitely not a solid play based on those metrics either. Honestly, outside of DD Westbrook and the kickers for value plays, I'm not sure you can get to anybody. I think the next most viable player is Zach Gentry for Pittsburgh. Who's like a rotational tight end. They use to block a lot but he occasionally gets targets. He had two targets in their most recent game. And if you play him, you're hoping he scores on one of them. Really low probability play, but if you're just looking for one-for-one pivots outside of Ray-Ray McLeod and Zach Gentry, I don't think there's really anybody. No, unless you're saying, all right, Benny Snell time, I'm going to hope that Najee gets hurt. And, you know, I mean, that's that's all you got. Benny Snell is probably going to be like, what one percent on there's going to be some people with benny snell in lineups but uh, they that's that's like playing the backup quarterback you know and hoping the quarterback gets hurt it's not a viable play unless something happens in game and we don't have time to talk about all that yeah absolutely i'm not playing benny snell no he's getting around five percent though right now it makes sense you're gonna have people that are like screw it i'll plug him in i'll, I'll throw him in there and and hope that You know, he either falls into the end zone and gets a couple of carries or or Najee is somehow impeded. I I don't know. I I don't want to go there. If you're playing 150, you're going to get it. But Matt, if you're playing three lineups, you're not getting Benny Snell. It's just not happening. So even for people playing 150 on a slate like tonight (laughs) where we have such spread captain ownership, I, I would suggest instead of playing Benny Snell, who even at his low projection and low ownership has a negative leverage score, 
why don't you just play Chase Claypool, Ben Roethlisberger, Kirk Cousins in the captain and spread it out a little more. Like Cousins, 6% captain ownership, Roethlisberger, 5.5, Claypool, 5.5. There's players you can use as your like optimal captain, get leverage there, build a semi-chalky rest of your lineup and still be pretty unique. So I don't, I don't even think you need to make those really thin plays. You can kind of get off the board with a contrarian captain and then just make sure maybe you don't leave, fill all the salary or maybe you take one other low-owned guy you should be pretty good with that strategy for sure uh all right let's close out pittsburgh with this so red zone i'm using since week six because juju going down significant enough especially since pat fryermuth uh really started to become a lot more involved around that time almost actually right at that time target share since sorry red zone target share since week six fryermuth 31 percent johnson 24 chase claypool 24 so the reason i point this out that's essentially an 80% combined target share between three players, Matt, in the passing game. Najee will get his opportunities for sure. You know, does Gentry get one? You never know. But we do know that once they get down inside the 20, there are three very specific guys that Roethlisberger is looking towards. And that's why I, when I said earlier that this offense is pretty concentrated, even in the passing game, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I, I think those are the players you want to be mixing in. It's concentrated, but we don't see ownership really concentrated on them. It's going to some of the Minnesota guys. And I think that makes sense to a degree. You can really lock down some consistent target shares. The few scoring opportunities that Pittsburgh has, you know where they're going. So I'm still looking at some of these optimals just to reference them. A lot of them are 3-3 three, three builds or 4-2 builds. And the players that are basically the only ones that pop up for Pittsburgh are Roethlisberger, Harris, Johnson, Claypool, Fryermuth, and then kickers. It's, it's nobody else. Yeah, it's not. It's it. And I'm fine getting to any of them. The only issue I have with Claypool is that he's the type of guy that you would love to see more opportunities downfield. And he has 17 deep ball attempts or targets this year, 20 for Harris, or Deontay Johnson. So it's not that he can't get them. And he really is a, a freakish athlete. Like Chase Claypool is a good player. I think with a better quarterback, you're going to start seeing some really big seasons of Claypool, a guy that I'd be trading for in dynasty leagues too, Matt. But uh, right now he's, he's a lot more volatile than Deontay Johnson, but on a showdown slate, I still like Claypool quite a bit because he's so much cheaper. I agree with you. You mentioned the concerns. They're valid. Big Ben, he's going to have to connect with him on some sort of deep play or touchdown for Claypool to get there. So I think he has a lower probability of that elite ceiling score as Johnson, but that is reflected in price and ownership. You can get him at a cheaper price, obviously less owned than Deontay Johnson. I think he's a great captain play on a slate like this where one touchdown could be the difference. Again, just 44 point total. That Unless you know, there's like crazy touchdown concentration for one of these players, I think one could get it done. I agree. CB says Ben's shoulder and Peck will not allow him to get the ball downfield to Claypool. I mean, dude, at this point, I don't even consider any of that. He, he's already old and, and, you know, he's archaic at this point. Like that, that's the issue I have. He, he already hasn't been able to get the ball to Clayfield or Claypool. So if, if the shoulder and the Peck, he was a full, full participant in practice. Like he's banged up. He's, He's old in football terms, Matt, but like if I'm playing guys, I'm not, or if I'm looking at this, I'm not playing or fading anybody based on 
this this nagging injury to Roethlisberger because it's already been a rough year in that respect. Like it's baked in already. I don't see how it isn't right. Right, and his average depth of target is twelve and a half. It's it's not crazy downfield. They do when they do take deep shots. It's largely to Claypool, but that's not the only area he's targeted. So you will see some intermediate throws, and Ben can certainly throw around the sticks, whereas most of the time that's where Claypool is being targeted anyway. And then, like you mentioned, the red zone opportunities there. Yeah. He is a because of his bigger bodied frame, him and Firemuth have a great chance of seeing those end zone targets. And if you look at targets just right on the, the goal line, Claypool leads the team. And again, it's a small sample, but when you're throwing fades and things like that, Claypool's the guy you go to, Claypool and Firemuth, because of their size. It's not Johnson. Absolutely. And you already talked about the kickers, right? Like this is a spot where uh, it might not feel good, but you're probably going to have a decent amount of kickers today. Whether you want to or whether you don't, it's probably going to be the case. So anything for defense before we talk about the Vikings? How good is TJ Watt? Yeah, dude. That He was out, right? For Was he out for one or two games? I think it was just one. But one? Okay. correct me if I'm wrong, someone in chat. I, I believe I'm correct, but I'm not 100% sure. I think, was, he, was it COVID? I can't remember. Concussion? He was COVID, on the was, COVID list. Okay, that's, that's just what I thought, yeah. Getting him back, man, what a difference that makes. It does. Man, he is such a great pass rusher, and Minnesota will give up some of those opportunities too. So I, I think playing the defense is right in line with the kickers makes sense tonight. Is Pittsburgh one of those teams, one of those defenses uh, where – if you look at football outsiders DVOA metric or you look at PFF, Steelers run defense and pass defense is graded pretty poorly. There's no doubt about that. But is their ability to, to get after the passer seven sacks last game? Uh, is that enough to, to say, you know what, maybe in some spots I will run the Steelers defense out there? Or are you getting away from that? No, I'll run the Steelers defense out there twofold, I think, two reasons mainly. Low scoring game environment. And they're the kind of defense that creates those havoc plays that are big plays for your defense. If you're capping the Steelers defense or anything like that, like you want them to score. So having a good pass rush, that's going to create the opportunities for sacks, fumbles, or if Cousins is pressured, maybe he just makes a bad decision. There's a pick six or something like that. So having a good pass rush, I think is key, even if some of the other aspects are a little lacking. All right. And uh, yeah, appreciate all you guys in chat, man. Love to see it people watching at work, Matt, I mean, what better way to, to quash productivity than to sit here in the morning and watch the NFL showdown strategy show. I, I, I endorse it. A matter of fact, I love it. I appreciate you, uh, you guys all being here. If I wasn't on the stream, this is exactly where I'd be as well. Work up the courage, go to your boss and just quit. Tell him <laughs> awesome. is more important. But uh, no, for real though, I, I, I know a lot of you guys, I see you in chat all the time and, and, and you're the best. We appreciate it. Hit that thumbs up too, if you haven't done so yet. All right. Um, Jock Market, sponsor of the NFL Strategy Show. I don't know if you've checked out Jock Market yet, but I would recommend that you go ahead and do so. You can play Jock Market at work too, right? Because they can't, they can't, I, they can't not allow you to do that on your phone. On the computer, I know they, they block out a lot of sites and DraftKings, all that other stuff. Not Jock Market. You just download. That's going to be my new pitch, Matt. That's a good, that's a good pitch. Play it at work. You know, play it wherever you are. 
because you just download the app on the Google apps or the Google play store, the app store, whatever it is. It's so simple. It's turned DFS into the stock market. And why would you not want to check that out? Very simply. Okay. You can make money down to the hour, to the minute, down to the second using Jack market where you buy, hold, sell shares of individual players. And you can buy them early in the day during the IPO period. Use our free jock market IPO projections at awesome.com free every day of the week. You got football, hockey, baseball, basketball, PGA, all of that stuff. Uh, really, the IPO period is where you can make your money. Use the research and, and the shows that you've watched to, to glean insight into what players' prices are going to go up, down, whatever, and then buy, hold, or sell them throughout the day. And during the games, you can play it as well. And when you use the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, when you sign up and deposit for the first time, boom, get up to $50 in a deposit bonus when you do that. And here's the best part of all that outside of the cool concept. First market guarantee means the jock market will refund any losses on your first NFL or NBA market, right? The first time you play up to $100 if you do not cash for the first time. So download in the Google Play Store, the App Store, whatever it is, use the promo code AWESOMO to get your sign up deposit bonus and that $100 refund in the event that you don't cash in your first football or basketball market. Jock market, J-O-C-K-M-K-T for those of you podcast listeners sponsor of the NFL strategy show. All right, Matt, Minnesota, lots of moving parts here, lots of uncertainty. So I actually want to kick this off with the backfield. We got to We got to drill down into this, right? You can't even project them right now. You can't really project ownership right now as well as we'd like to Dalvin cook got a practice in Tom Pelissero of NFL network said that he's trending towards play. Now I just want to tell you that I'm having flashbacks of when Dalvin cook returned earlier in the year. I know you know what I'm talking about against Cleveland ran the ball nine times, got less work than Madison, then didn't play the following week because he probably shouldn't have played against Cleveland. I'm worried that we're going to see a very close split. And this scares the hell out of me because Madison's actually a fully competent running back in that uh, Vikings backfield. This is why I don't know why they're rushing Dalvin cook back. Right. Right. I really don't understand it, but so they, we've, we've seen this multiple Matt, ways. Do they is, not think Madison's good? I, they took him into the third round. Like True. he was way overdrafted. I think they thought very highly of him coming out and he's played well every time he's been on the field. Yeah. It's, he's a fantasy analyst darling too, right? Everyone loves Madison. Everyone loved, uh, remember Jarek McKinnon? Remember the spark score? Everyone loved Jarek McKinnon when he was a backup there. Yep, Jarek McKinnon coming out of a small school, undersized, but the craziest athlete of all time, underperformed. He was getting – who was he getting vultured by? Constantly. Oh, oh. Asiata. Yeah, Matt Asiata, you're right. The exact so, polar opposite of Jarek McKinnon would play like 50% of the snaps and take all of the touchdowns. All right, a uh, question for you and for chat, little trivia. This is easy if you've followed football for the past several years. Who is – who would you say is the biggest? It's kind of subjective, but I think there's an answer. Who would you say in the last 10 years is the biggest touchdown vulture? Mike Tolbert. That was a quick answer and the right answer. No doubt about it, man. Big toll bear coming in at the goal line every single week. And wasn't it, was that when D'Angelo Williams and uh, John Stewart were still there as the two headed yep. monster? Or was that after that? I think their years overlapped. They did, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, dude, Tolbert. Every single game, you knew that you had to fade two Tolbert touchdowns. Yeah, it was terrifying. And Cam Newton. Like, it was – there's so many guys that just stole work from D'Angelo and Jonathan Stewart. It was disgusting. It's crazy. I mean, maybe John, maybe, maybe James Conner is the biggest touchdown poacher now. Not, not currently with Edmonds on the IR, but Tolbert would only get like two carries a game and they'd both be at the five. Yeah, that was uh, poor Chase Edmonds, like injury. I hope he scores some touchdowns at some point. James Conner's been fantastic in that role. But like you said, Tolbert's only role was to come in on the goal line. <laughs> they spent a roster spot on him to just come in and punch in touchdowns. Yeah, that was it. And he was just this, like, this big, I don't know, the, 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 even the shape of that guy watching him barrel his way into the end zone was a sight to behold. But, yeah, I hated that man so much. Not him. I hated that comma man. Not I hated that man. All right. So can we just tell me where, and I cut you off a couple of times, but first of all, where did McKinnon go to, uh, where did Jarek McKinnon go to school? I forget, actually. It's a wow. really small school. I believe it was FCS. You forget where McKinnon, how do you? You're like a steel trap of useless college knowledge that we all love to hear. I know. Oh, he went to Georgia Southern. I, I just looked it up. I did not. I did not remember that off okay. the top of my head, which is not FCS. Okay. Anyway, back to Dalvin Cook and, and Jefferson. If Cook plays, if Cook doesn't play, we don't even need to really analyze that. We just play a lot of Jefferson. If he does play, do we have anything that we can expect out of this? They've, which is, it's really difficult to decipher because in the past, you mentioned the game where Cook played a little bit, aggravated the injury, and then Madison came in. We've also seen games where Cook comes back a little quickly and then he just handles all the work and Madison plays a change of pace role. So I think this is incredibly difficult to decipher. Uh, the Pulisero report seems very positive. And one thing I'll go back to is like Cook has been playing with this same injury on the other shoulder for most of the year. So you can play through the injury. I, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know how exactly this works, how far removed you have to be from the injury to be able to play through it. But he has been doing it, which leads me to a little bit of optimism. But again, I'm, not, I'm just flat out not sure. Neither am I, man. And I guess at this point, you have to ask, you have to ask yourself, like, if Cook plays do we get to more Madison? How do we approach this? But here's the caveat, right? Madison is not cheap and Cook is not cheap. If you wanted to play these guys in the captain spot on DraftKings, you're going north of 16,000 for Cook. You're going almost 15,000 for Madison. So I, it's not even a spot where you go, oh man, if Cook plays, let me try and be super contrarian and get a lot of Madison. If Cook plays, you know he's still going to get a decent amount of work, Matt, unless he re-aggravates it, which means that you're paying starter caliber salary for Madison, and he might get split touches. He might touch the ball 10 or 12 times. That's not enough at the same price as, as you know, so many other good players in this game. I think they are purely GPP plays in that situation based yeah. on raw upside. So Cook – if you're playing Madison, you hope Cook's a decoy. If you're playing Cook, you hope that he is the full workload and handles all the touchdowns. And I think that's the only way to approach it. I do not think either is cash viable outside of Cook just not getting activated for the game and Madison handling everything. Otherwise, I would rather play other players with a more secure workload. But it, in tournaments, this is one that you want to monitor ownership throughout the day. 
right now is not going to be the most accurate glimpse. But as we get news heading up to kickoff, this is going to be a lot better. And we can gauge what the public is going to do a little more. And I think that's going to be a huge factor on how much Cook and Madison I end up playing. Yeah, for sure. If they come out and they're like, Dalvin Cook will reassume his normal role, that's different. But if we don't get anything, it's going to be tough. I, I'll say this much, though. I, it, with Cook, so, okay, let, let me put it to you this way. If, if I'm looking at these two guys and going, okay, both of them are expensive, but I want to get one of them in the lineups as, as that guy, for me, it's, it's going to be Cook over Madison. Because the likelihood that they split is, I think, pretty high. The likelihood that Madison is getting the major large majority of work, I think, is very low. But if Cook is actually good to go, I think there is a real possibility that he could get back to a bigger workload. So I'd say, right, like the, the highest prob likelihood is that they split. Uh, then that Dalvin Cook gets the most carries and a lot of them. And then all the way at the bottom that Madison is like the lead back, but Dalvin Cook is just spelling him because why would he even be active? I agree. I think that last situation you mentioned is very unlikely. The situation where Madison carries most of the work, I think, is with Dalvin Cook out. If Correct. Yeah. If you're going into the game, assuming Madison's going to be the lead back anyway, you would just make Cook inactive. It's not like they don't have alternatives on this roster. Like, they, they spent a pretty decent draft pick on Wang Wu, who's played a little bit. Again, we're not going to consider him at all because Cook is expected to return. But if you were a little bit wearisome of Cook playing and sustaining an aggravation, you, you would just use Wang Wu as a change of pace. Sure. But overall, I think the, it, like reading between the lines with these reports that came out, like Pelissero said, Cook has been practicing at least in a limited capacity, he may have even gotten a full practice, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's been handling the work with the first team with some key language that I read into that report, which suggests to me that that is their plan to use him with the first team offense in this game. Yes, sir. Limited practice, but who so knows? He probably, he probably was working with the first team with a red no contact. Probably, yeah. Let's see. Maybe we'll get some more news, colors sort of live. But I I'll close in the backfield with this. This is very. This is a super important part of this slate, right? Uh, you have to drill down so much into these showdowns to one specific spot. Whereas on a main slate, you were talking about this earlier. Like main slates, a spot like this, we'd go fade the backfield, right? Like we wouldn't spend more than a minute on it. We'd say fade the backfield here on a ten-game slate. So, you know, that's just the way it is. But. Madison is the same price as Najee Harris. I know Harris hasn't been efficient, but like you can essentially lock in 20 plus looks for Najee in a game like this, right? Because I don't see uh, the Vikings getting out to a big early lead and forcing him out of the, the game plan. Even Ben Roethlisberger is $800 less expensive than Madison. Roethlisberger still project got to project for a lot more fantasy points than Madison if Dalvin Cook plays, so. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of different ways I think we could go here. And Madison is is the least impressive to me. Uh, Dalvin Cook, at least somewhat interesting if he ends up being the guy, which he's been all season, when healthy. All right, Justin Jefferson. His Dude, his receptions prop. I was looking at this on Odd Shopper, Matt. His receptions prop is at seven and a half. And I'm like, you know what? That seems, that seems high. And then I keep thinking to myself, maybe it's not. 
that high. I, I mean, the guy's got nine, eight, and an 11 over three of his last four weeks. Huge targets, super efficient. Kirk Cousins has been able to get him the football consistently. Adam Thielen's out. Bro, I don't know. Maybe maybe Jefferson gets like 20 targets today. His, his workload has been insane with Adam Thielen on the field. No Joe Hayden on the other side. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's huge. There's so many little nuggets that point to Justin Jefferson being an excellent play. And out when I was running optimals outside of those kicker and D.D. Westbrook optimals, he was the first one that popped up in the captain. So like the first elite option in the captain, which means he is a better projection compared to salary than Cousins, Roethlisberger, Najee, Deontay Johnson. He's just in a really great spot overall. And I do think he is somebody you want to look at in most lineups, whether it's captain, whether it's utility, he's a fantastic play. And he has one of the highest leverage scores based on our tools right now, at least among the elite options. And it's going to change a little bit throughout the day, depending on the status of Cook. But Jefferson, overall, an excellent play that looks like he's going under-owned. And I won't belabor this anymore. You outlined all the great reference points that indicate Jefferson's an excellent play today. Yeah. Um, so check this out. We, we talked about Odd Shopper earlier. Our projections there for these players tonight are they're free. They're attached to every prop. If you go, like if you go to oddshopper.com and click shop NFL bets, you'll get them all. You can sort by player props uh, and then individual teams on the left side or in the search bar players. If you wanted to follow along with this and get in on the action, if you're in States that you can bet, or you just want to use this stuff for DFS research, which we do frequently. So he's, projected at 93 and a half or his prop sorry is 93 and a half yards today matt uh on fandle 90 and a half DraftKings 92 and a half we have him projected for 101 over 101 receiving yards so like if you're on DraftKings, you know we're projecting him over over 10 or sorry 10 yards over 93 now those margins get thin especially once you get up into the really high props like that but it's not often you, you only see the elite of the elite of the elite getting almost hundred yard receiving yard props on any given week. It's basically Tyree killed Devonte Adams and Cooper cup, Cooper cup. Yeah. And now, now Jefferson has entered that territory and losing Adam Thielen only helps. Perhaps it is a decrease in efficiency for the offense, but I, there's a strong chance that it's an increase in volume for Jefferson obviously elevating his prop and making him a fantastic play. Our projections indicate it. The prop market indicates it. Our tools indicate it. Jefferson's a guy you want to be getting to a lot, either captain or utility. He has a top play probability of 30.4% today. That is by far, you mentioned the, the, all the top stack grades, like that is by far the highest of anybody on this slate. Yeah. It's when you compare his ownership to that number, I, th I think he's even under-owned a, a little bit further. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, our NFL single-game rankings are free today. NBA main slate ownership rankings – or no, ownership projections. Sorry. NHL ownership projections, all free. And if you want to get a taste of what we got at awesomeo.com, all the tools created by the number one-ranked DFS player out there, Awesomeo himself. You may know him as Alex Baker. Joins us on shows all the time, but – often behind the scenes, making lineups for every sport imaginary and working on projections and all of the tools we've got. Uh, if you're interested, you want to check it out, you want to get a discount, your first go around, 
Use the promo code NFL Showdown, all caps, all one word. Get you 25% off your first week of everything on the site ownership, player projections, top stack tool, lineup builder, all of our showdown content, uh, all of our showdown tools, tiers, you name it. You can get the Fantasy Cruncher add on as well. Everything, not just for football, but for every sport out there. So check it out. Uh, we have a different subscription for anybody, whether you're a novice, whether you're a pro, whether you're just getting into it, doesn't matter. You can do an express pass for less than four bucks a week if you'd like. Just a million different ways to, to come join us. And if you do, hop in the premium Discord, say what's up, join the community, and uh, hop in the office hours there where you got the pros like Steve Buzzard and Alex and so many of these other great players helping you refine and, and improve your game. All right, so Matt, we got Jefferson out of the way. We got the backfield out of the way, making good progress here. What are we doing with Conklin? What are we doing with KJ Osborne? Uh, and then any of these tertiary options, there's that word, fellas, uh, outside of those like a D.D. Westbrook. Love that. I think Tyler Conklin is a bit overpriced. We, we have Osborne projected as a much better price adjusted play than Conklin overall. But with that said, they're both expensive. You're like the, the decision you have to make on the context of this slate is would you rather play like an Osborne or a Chase Claypool? And for me, I would rather take the more secure volume that I believe Claypool will see again, very similar price range for these players, but there's upside for them. And like we talked about with Claypool, Fryermuth, and some of the other pass catchers, if it's Osborne that has the big play touchdown, he could very well be your slate winning captain, which is why I don't think you need to get super cheap and play your CJ hams and your Zach Gentry captains. If you run an Osborne lineup and constructed it in an intelligent way, and he's the one that catches the long touchdown, he very well could be the optimal captain tonight. And obviously the reasons we like Osborne, he's going to be taking over for Adam Thielen. He was basically an every snap player prior to the injury. He was just kind of playing third fiddle to those better pass catchers. But now we should see a little bit of increased opportunity for Osborne as well. So in a vacuum, I prefer Claypool and the Pittsburgh receivers at the similar prices, but Osborne certainly has enough upside to target in your lineups. He does. And we've seen some deep opportunities for him this year. A couple deep touchdowns. Ran a route on 96% of dropbacks last week. I, I feel like, was he on the field for every snap that Adam Thielen missed? I don't have that information available, but if not, it was pretty darn close. Yeah, so Thielen played 8% of snaps. Osborne played 92. Now, granted, there could have been a little overlap there, but yeah, Matt, 96% of dropbacks that he was running a route on that's not bad. And he saw his highest target count since week, what, week six with seven targets. I'd like to see a little bit more there if he's on the field as, as much as he is. But, hell, he's a wide receiver too here. And I guess, like you said, you have Conklin a little bit overpriced. Would you say you like Osborne over Conklin? Yes. If you're playing Conklin, I'm not sure. Like, Osborne is a little bit cheaper than the Claypools of the world. Conklin is essentially the same price. Uh, I would rather go down to Osborne. You know, it's funny, too. You look at Conklin, and it's almost like the, the Mandela. You know what the Mandela effect is? No. I, how do you spell Chick-fil-A? <laughs> how do you spell Chick-fil-A? C-H-I-C-K. Damn, you got it right. All right, fuck it. So, like, that, that's one of them where you believe that something is what it is when I'm doing a bad explanation. I don't need you to tell me that, chat that it actually isn't like you remember something as it is that actually is most people would say chick-fil-a is c-h-i-k 
uh, whatever. And then like, there's a, you can look it up. There's a lot of other explanations. I think the Mandela effect came into play because everyone thought that he was dead and like remembered his seeing it on TV and, and remember seeing the funeral, but it actually didn't happen at the time. So with Tyler Conklin, and this is a roundabout way of saying, I feel like this guy has been scoring a ton all season. And I feel like I remember seeing the touchdowns. He's only scored in two different games. That that's a bit surprising to me too. Yeah, Mandela effect. I did not realize that. <laughs> I seriously though, it's, wouldn't you? Did, doesn't it kind of feel like he has scored a lot more, at least a decent amount more than you know what it is? It's whenever a guy has a two touchdown game. I think right, like whenever a tight end has that two touchdown game, and then you just assume that you know he's getting a lot of opportunities, but that has not been the case. Anyway, what else do you have for the pass catchers? Anything else for the kickers defenses with Minnesota? Then we'll build a lineup and turn this over to the NBA strategy show. Guess we got to briefly talk D.D. Westbrook, who should be the wide receiver three, the journeyman that he is, former Jacksonville Jaguar great. But unlike previous situations where the Minnesota wide receiver three hasn't been usable, mainly because they like to use 12 personnel, they're so banged up on offense that I don't really think they have alternatives to D.D. Westbrook. The only time I think he'll come off the field is when they use CJ Ham as the fullback. So I think you're probably looking at like 60% of the snaps for Westbrook minimum. If they get down in the game, maybe like 75, 80. They don't run two tight ends right now. Chris Herndon's not playing. They don't use any other receivers. But like Westbrook might just be the value play by default because we don't have any others. He could be. And you're losing a 22.5% target share for Adam Thielen uh, and a big red zone body. Not saying he's a huge, I'm saying he's like a, a, a premier red zone target for this team, has been all season. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff. All right, Matt, want to build a lineup? Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Captain spot, large field tournaments. Who do we want to go with? I think we do like a Friar Muth or a Claypool. I kind of like that. Somebody who's not super chalky at captain, but somebody who has a clear ceiling. Let's go Fryermuth. If you assume that this could be a lower scoring game, you know, Fryermuth with the red zone upside, those touchdowns become a lot more valuable in lower scoring games, if you know what I mean. For because sure. just look at um, what was it? What was it Monday, right? Uh, Gabe Davis. I had amazing lineups, right? Harris and almost all of my line, Damian Harris and almost all of my captains, but not almost, or not all of them, but almost all of them, given the wind. Uh, but not enough Gabe Davis. And that was one touchdown. He didn't have a big game, right? But that one touchdown on such a low scoring game, and I'm not equating that to this. What I am saying though, is Frymer is the type of guy that could go like five for 50 with two scores and be huge. So let's go Frymer captain. I'm going to throw Ben into this, Matt. I, I don't love it, but it isn't that often that you're getting a quarterback. And I think you'll agree with me here. Who is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh highest priced player on the slate? I agree with you. And I think we already built in a little bit of contrarianness into this lineup with Briarmouth at captain. So I think we can eat some chalk in the utility and maybe just get slightly different at one or two other positions. I like the stack you're creating with Roethlisberger. Where I'm going to go with number three is just jamming Justin Jefferson. Based on everything we talked about with Jefferson, his prop, his projection, our tools, also, just he should be in your lineup in some capacity, even if it's the flex. I think he's just a downright jam. Okay. Dave says, 
best Mandela effect line ever is from Star Wars. Everyone thinks Vader said, Luke, I am your father. He didn't say that. He actually said, no, I am your father. See, Matt, these are, this is important stuff. But it's weird because it's like everybody remembers it a certain way. It's not just one or a small group of people. It's it's everybody. So yeah, I'm, I'm terrified to tell everyone that I haven't seen Star Wars. I, I I don't think anyone. I don't think you're shocking the world, Matt. I just assumed when bringing that reference up that you had never seen Star Wars. Not for a moment <laughs> did I even consider that you had seen Star Wars. No, I, I haven't seen Star Wars. No, I didn't think so. But you know what it is. Yeah, I do know what it is. Okay. Uh, all right, we got 6,700 remaining. We got Fryermuth, Roethlisberger. We got Jefferson. I think we have enough for Deontay Johnson. I, I'm... Yeah, we do. I think we do. So can we fade Najee here is the question. Yeah, for sure. I think you're hoping that it's a low-scoring game and Najee doesn't get the touchdown. All right, so we got Fryermuth, Roethlisberger, Jefferson, and Deontay Johnson. So we have the two highest volume guys in the passing game from each side. I like that. And Fryermuth getting a little different at the captain spot. All right. To close it out and get some value, I think we play Didi and then we try to just be very cognizant of where we go with the last spot. Okay. So now we have a lot of we have we have enough to play Claypool. I don't know if we want to max out our salary so we could go down to like a Conklin or an Osborne or something like that and leave salary on the table and be contrarian. Playing Didi gives us a lot of options to not only play a good lineup, but also be contrarian. For sure. I just don't know if I want to go Osborne and have three pass catchers from Minnesota without the quarterback. Right. I agree with you. All right. So you could you could do like a Claypool. And I think yeah, this is this is better suited for low risk, like a single entry, I don't know, 500 person tournament, thousand person tournament rather. Actually, you know what? We fry with as the captain. You might be able to play this in like 5,000 entries. I think you could. Or you could leave salary, go Greg Joseph in the last spot. So then you don't have the running backs. You don't have Kirk Cousins. You're assuming that there's a lot of field goals kicked there. That could be that could be viable in large field tournaments because not many people are going to have that build with 3K left on the table and Fryermuth at captain. Yeah, I think that's a great opportunity to play that lineup in large field. If you do go Claypool, I think that you could play that around like 5,000 entries, something in that range. All right. Good stuff as always. Thanks. You guys are the greatest. Matt, before we go, number one, we're three away from 100 likes. Uh, almost 400 people watching on a, on a Thursday morning for a Vikings-Steelers game. So that means a lot. Final prediction, score and uh, spread. Who do you have? Vikings are laying three and a half. I'm going to go 23-20 with Pittsburgh on top. I like that. I had a very similar idea. I was going to go 21-17. Pittsburgh not only covers, but wins outright. Shout out to you guys. Mike De Lawrence for producing the show. Stick around. NBA strategy show. Adam Sher, Josh Ingeman coming up next. We'll see you back here tonight for Live Before Lock. Peace.